and this is the Age Group Multisport Podcast with me, Richard Conway. This is a platform for Age Group Multisport athletes to showcase their journeys. Welcome along to the Age Group Multisport Podcast and thank you once again for taking your time out and listening to our pod. Much appreciated. Hope everything's going well in your world. Um, if you're training, it's not been too bad, I guess. We're in August. Hope you, you've been able to get out in the sunshine. And if you've been racing this weekend, hope it went well and uh, you got the result you expected and wanted. Um, lots of racing going on and we'll get into that. But first, um, on this episode, which is 82, we've got Adrian Wilkins. And Adrian got in touch um, and said he'd like to share his story. He emailed us and said his um, sporting prowess isn't anything special. Well, I'd agree to differ, to be honest, but there you go. We'll get into that. Um, but he would really like to talk about um, hip replacements and he's quite passionate about it because he's not only had one done but he's had both his hips done and he just wants to spread the word and reassure people that there is life after hip replacements especially in sport and we talk about how Adrian um, having a full background of various sports all the way through his life um, went in and got his hips done and he's come out the other side and he's back representing GB and as a matter of fact, he was racing this weekend over in Belgium, uh, menning at the European Triathlon Championships, um, where he was doing the aqua bike. And I believe he finished 10th. So congratulations, Adrian, on that fantastic result. Um, so we get into all those details and, um, yeah, hope it can put people's minds who maybe need to have the op or are thinking about it um, and maybe inspire those who've actually had it and have not got back to where they'd like to be quite yet so yeah so that's coming up um and back just going back to the racing um lots going on like i said there's the there was the belgian um european championships over there in menin and we had quite a few of our previous guests over there racing and yeah all did fantastically well um so i'm just gonna list them we had Louise Croxon, um, who came seventh. Ben Somerville, he came sixth in the Aquathon. Uh, Lee Ross, um, he came 13th. Ross Crombie came eighth. Josh Lahari came third. Andy Tucker came 12th. And as I said, Adrian came 10th. So congratulations to all you guys. Fantastic results and uh, well done. And if you're after a comprehensive roundup of all the results over there in uh, Belgium, uh, age group news over on instagram and facebook um i've got all the details photographs um so yeah head over to their social media uh instagram it's age underscore group underscore news and um, you'll find out actually in depth what's gone on well worth a read well worth a follow um so yeah give them a give them a look up and then there was also the 70.3 uh world champs um, in Finland and there was also an age group leg to that so I'm going to focus on that because we've got um, 
an age group world champion at that distance also and that was Donald Brooks yeah he's done it again he's just went out there at a completely different distance and smashed it and took took the win so he is our our 70.3 age group world champion so a fantastic result congratulations Donald um, and you can hear all those guys stories um, in the back catalogue either on your favourite podcast platform or on our website which is the age group multisport podcast.buzzsprout.com and they're all there so if you want to be inspired give them a listen other sport that was on this weekend and has just started we had the um, Super League down in London only just watched that this morning catching up um, some great results there for the Brits again um, in both the men's and the women's races some really exciting races and the crowds were amazing as usual um, so yeah that was really fun to watch and been watching a bit of the athletics world championships as well all, all week and we've had some great um, wins in that as well I mean just some of the performances have been outstanding uh, especially the men's 1500 um, where Kerr beat Inga Britson what a race that was and then the young lad in the 800 metres Patterson um, got a bronze medal out of nowhere he raced such a perfect race um, and he was amazed himself uh, so it was fantastic to watch really inspiring and on top of that the Vuelta's just started which is the three week stage race um, over there in Spain um, so got loads and loads of what things to watch and uh, watching that much I haven't really got much training done um, but never mind so anyway moving on to the main event because it's a long one and um, I think we should just get straight into it now after waffling on for a, a few minutes um, so here he is Adrian Wilkins well thank you ever so much for um, taking your time out in your day Pleasure. and uh, coming on and hopefully sharing your story and inspiring uh, as all the other athletes have done on the on the pod uh, can you about. just introduce yourself to everybody that would be fantastic great okay hi i'm adrian wilkins i'm 57 years old in age group triathlete since 2011 so yes yeah, so i'm doing my 12th coming out to my 13th year uh, of um age group triathlon yeah so how did it start school uh, sporty guy, I uh, played rugby and cricket, had a brief spell at Bristol rugby, um, probably late 20s, went, went a bit late, probably should have done it a bit earlier, uh, playing on the wing, uh, but cricket I suppose is more my claim to fame, I uh, had a season playing cricket with Shane Warne when he came over to Bristol, so right. I'm in a, yeah, a unique and elite club of, because uh, I was, was wicketkeeper as well, so this is what makes me even more unique playing with Shane. Uh, that he came over for a season, and that was just a great experience, really. Yeah, playing playing with him two, three times a week, keeping wicket to this guy. He's only a youngster then; he was like nineteen. Could turn it sideways. It was uh, very entertaining. So happy memories of that. And he stayed in touch with everybody at the club. Um, anyway, so yeah, cricket. I kept going for actually quite a significant time. But cricket and triathlon never really mix anyway, because they're both on either Saturdays or Sundays and, and summer sports. Mm. But it was rugby, which was, I suppose, more my love, really. Yeah, if I knew I knew now about sport, I would have probably taken rugby a bit more seriously. I think, uh, uh, yeah, through my sort of 
late teens, twenties, I, I was more interested in going out than training and concentrating on playing rugby. So probably a, miss, a bit of a missed opportunity, but it is what it is. Uh, I, I played club rugby and continued club rugby into my mid forties. Most of my career was spent uh, um, playing either on the wing or at fullback, so I was I'm a sprinter. Uh, and then gradually I moved closer towards the forwards, not not going all the way in, ended up at number 10, uh, and mostly because I'm guaranteed to get a pass. Then playing on the wing throughout the 1990s of the Rob Andrew era was not a good time to be a winger. We've all never been that. So 2009. And this is sort of relevant, I suppose, because it's actually very relevant to, to triathlon. Uh, it, it was probably the one but last game, or pretty close to, to the last game. It, you know, I was playing for my local um, club, which is North Bristol, and we were playing Bristol Harlequins, uh, which is never the nicest place to go anyway. It's always very muddy, and they've got a bed of mud up there as well, which is it's just, just not one of the nicest places to play rugby. Uh, but I vividly remember the game, because I'm, I'm playing at number 10. And they probably have this 20, 21-year-old, 18-stone number eight who just decided to run at me all game. So he'd pick up in the back of the scrum and just run at me all game. So, of course, I had to tackle him, um, given a choice not to have turned me more than he did. But, so I spent the whole game tackling a 18-stone, 21-year-old number eight who just wouldn't stop running at me. Uh, I, I hesitate to say I got up Sunday morning. I probably didn't get up Sunday morning. It was probably Sunday afternoon by the time I got up. And that was this sort of eye-opener that in my mid-40s, perhaps I shouldn't be playing rugby anymore. And that was probably my one last game. I think I probably played a, maybe the odd charity game since then, but nothing nothing more so than that. Yeah. And it was that summer, uh, my family and I, we quite a lot really uh, I enjoyed my sailing we used to the Greek islands and sail around the Greek islands but because I had two young children then they would go into children's club so I was mostly doing sort of day yachts taking a day yacht around. but being sun and sail by definition it was a sporty style hobby. I mean, it's now Nielsen's it became the Nielsen's but back then it was, it was sun and sail similar to like a Mark Warner kind of holiday and they ran a mini triathlon Every week would have they'd have a mini triathlon, and I probably skipped the skipped a bit of my youth growing up as well. I used to be a competitive swimmer, starting right. when I was the age of six and going through to probably quite late for swimming, maybe as nineteen twenty when I when I practiced. I was never a great swimmer. I, I, I did county level swimming, but I was never a great swimmer. But I was a swimmer. I could swim. Um, front crawl butterfly was, was my stroke. When I was younger as well, like most kids had a bike, I used to cycle a lot. I used to go even on a cycling holiday, cycle down to Cornwall once, just on a whim, uh, which from Bristol was not admittedly that far, but it was still yeah, 250 miles down to Newquay, and, and so it's still a fair old track. Uh, so I could cycle, and running was the issue. Uh, yeah, I'd, I've, I'd, playing rugby on the wing, 60 metres was a long run. You, know, you had to stop and have a rest and do another 60 metres. But I entered this sun cell triathlon thinking, right, I can swim, I can ride a bike. Of course, it's a sea swim. It was run up a hill, jump on a mountain bike. And I didn't actually have much experience on mountain bikes, to be honest. And then, and then a little run at the end. And I did it. And I thought, well, that was a bit of fun. You know, I, I, I don't know where, where I came. I, I know I didn't win it. Uh, I was probably nearish the front. I would have been near the front after the swim. 
uh, the, the bike and the run just went backwards a bit. I then considered a two-week holiday the following week. I did it again and actually did it considerably better. I think I came second that time. And I thought, well, I quite like this. So that was probably the May time. It was early. It was the, it was the spring after uh, holiday. So then I came back and started Googling. So triathlon, I quite like triathlon. It just sounds good, doesn't it? Triathlon. <laughs> I, can that, yeah. I can swim, I can ride a bike, I can run. So I Googled and uh, and I found, discovered the Bristol triathlon. I thought, wow. And it's like the first ever Bristol triathlon, 2009. I think this is, this is fate. And it's in June, which was like a month away. So I thought, wow, okay, I'll enter. So I entered. Um, I, you have to put down a swim time for your guesstimate for 400. It was a pool, it was a pool swim. So I said guesstimated my best 400 meter time at the time, which, which wasn't particularly great, I wouldn't have thought then. Uh, and I turned up and they said, get there an hour early. So I got there an hour early. I think my start time was, was eight o'clock and I turned up at seven just to wrap my, my boardman. I just bought myself a boardman, a uh, little aluminium frame. But yeah, it's it great. I loved it. It's, 650 pounds worth of race bike and I thought I was yeah the giddy um so I rocked up early seven o'clock and they said ah we changed your swim start you're on in you're on in 15 minutes get poolside <laughs> so I had zero time to be nervous so literally I just jumped in the pool swam my lengths yeah ran to the bike and then and then did a run at the end and I, I just smiled the whole way through it was uh, I wasn't particularly racing anyone or even myself I was just just doing it I just finished and I thought, I just love this. This is, this is, this is for me. I just love it. Uh, and then I started looking at the rest of the diaries. You know, July, August, September was coming. And I think I tried to fit in as many races as I could during that period. So I just got hooked, completely hooked. So I just, just loved everything about it. Uh, and, yeah, I wasn't particularly good. Uh, my swim was all right, but it wasn't great. My bike was all right. It wasn't great. Actually, and I could run a bit in those days as well. So I had to figure the running so I was, I was in the middle yeah I was, I was like happy there. so in the following season yeah I couldn't wait for it to start I, I packed in rugby that year so it was all about doing triathlon so I, I did a lot of the classics I went and did Blenheim uh, I think I did London that year as well uh, I just entered I entered everything honestly I just loved racing absolutely loved, loved just racing that was my competitive sport so having played rugby and cricket every weekend I assumed you raced every weekend. Yeah. yeah. So I looked for a race every weekend, really, because that's all. So 2010 was was spent racing. Um, but I, I, by then, I joined, actually, just immediately after I did the Bristol Trial, uh, I joined Bad Try, Bristol District Triathlon, uh, which was a great club at the time. They were huge. I think we were probably the biggest club, club in the country at the time with eight, 900 plus members. Um, I mean, still going, still a member now. It's, it's, I, I just, I don't think... The clubs perhaps are as big now as they used to be then, but it was a huge club at the time. Um, so I was training with them. I was swimming with them. And there was a real camaraderie of, you know, doing, because I'm, I'm a team sport guy, you know, I like to be around people. Um, actually, having said that, I, I, prefer riding, I prefer riding a bike, so everything else I prefer with other people. Um, so, yeah, it's a team sport. So, so I was getting my buzz. I was getting my thrill. So 2010, I started realizing I'm getting a bit better at this. I'm quite enjoying it. So, of course, like everybody in triathlon, the first thing you think about after you sort of get good at it, you do a you go from a sprint to a limpet, and then you think, oh, I'll do an Ironman. But how difficult could it be? 
So, and unfortunately, the club uh, were doing a Ironman as a club in 2011. Although at the time it was a challenge race, it was it was Challenge Copenhagen. So I thought, great, I'll do that. I'll um, I'll enter that. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. So that was my focus, and I think it's it's late season. I, I, I probably think in maybe October uh, time. So I had a whole season to train for it. So I, I typical race most weekends and so that's part of the training. Did a few long bites. The training did get a bit onerous, to be honest. I'm used to a quick, you know, a few sprints and you know, that's the training done and lift a few weights. When you get on six hour bike rides followed by you know hour and a half, two hour runs, it's like, well I mean that's a long day. And I had young children <laughs> as well. So yeah, yeah. but you know, it, it was the buzz of doing it. It was the buzz of the training, the buzz of having this goal of doing this armor. Or, or challenge races. So 2011 came, I went to Copenhagen, did it, did all right, had a good swim, had a great swim actually, uh, bike was all right. I just I just had a fun day out really, I suppose the best way to explain it. It was just an enjoyable day with a lot of my teammates, it was about 30 or 40 of us went for wow. a bad try. Uh, and it was good fun. So I thought, okay, would I want to do another one? Probably not. You know, I didn't have the, you know, I didn't cross the finishing line saying, wow, thinking that, wow, that's the best thing I've ever done. I didn't. I just thought that was just a long day out with my friends and I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. So 2011 came and I thought, right, um, actually, what am I going to do this year? I thought, well, someone told me, why don't you do this GB age group stuff? And I thought, wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. We'll give, give that a go. And uh, why not? I never, never generally realised, uh, thought I'd have a chance of doing it. And that year, 2011, the the World Championships were in, were in Auckland, New Zealand. Right. And that was the year in which you qualified in the year of the race. So oh, the, yes. very first, yeah, the very first race was Eaton Dorney. And it was the first time I'd ever raced Eaton Dorney as well, I think. Um, so I rocked up there, did the swim, did the bike and run. I think I came like 11th in my age group. And I thought, okay, this is probably going to be a bit harder because obviously there's a top four going through. <laughs> so, okay, this is probably a bit harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I think I did the other two qualifiers. And I think in the third one, I got a qualifying place. Yeah. So that got very exciting. And I'd also qualified for the Aquathon as well. I had to do right. it. Being a swimmer, I thought, yeah, I'll do that with her. So, lo and behold, I found myself qualifying for GB which is obviously extremely exciting. So you turn up at the airport and, and the plane, I think uh, it's pro- I think it was Air Malaysia we were flying on. And of course, all the GBs are on, on the one plane, aren't they? Because you figure most people could go out either the Wednesday or Thursday before. Uh, so there was probably 200 of the plane, where literally the majority of the plane were the GBH groupers, all with bike boxes. And Malaysian Airways hadn't anticipated this number of bike boxes. And I just remember the chaos of checking in. So yeah. to get, we, we all got our bikes there, we got there, and uh, I think the flight must have been a Tuesday from memory, because the Aquathon was on the Wednesday, and we landed Tuesday night, and there was a, there was a lady who actually became very good friends of, 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 of mine and my wife who, who, who came with me, um, we, we met them on the plane on the way out, and uh, we, we were trying to figure out in the coach if we can get there for the, the recce, the swim recce. Uh, on the on the Tuesday night before, and by the time we got there, we missed it by about an hour. So we were done nothing. We've just arrived all the way in New Zealand. We've gone to bed, and, and the aquathons on the Wednesday. We've done nothing. 
So get changed to go down to the, the, the aquathon, find out where it was. Got my wetsuit on, queuing up. I think this is great. It was a pontoon start in, in the sense you hold on to the pontoon. Now, of course, yeah, thinking that I'm a swimmer uh, in, in a local race in my age group, I would be at or near the front. So I thought, well, how different could this be? So I decided I'll start in the middle somewhere. So the Hooter goes and I start in the middle holding onto this, onto this pontoon. After about three or four strokes in, I realise, blimey, uh, everybody's a good swimmer. But actually, I'm, I'm in the middle of the back of the pack, being literally dragged by these guys swimming on top of me. Of course, they're all, they're all Aussies and Kiwis, aren't they? So they all grew up swimming in the sea. And yeah. I'm in the Pacific Ocean with these great big breakers coming down on me. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a sea swimmer. Put me in a pool or a lake or, or even a river, I'll be all right. But in the swim, in the sea, no, it's... Uh, it's, it's the closest to dying I ever got in a race. Actually, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it's a different ball game, isn't it? The sea, completely uh, different ball game. And, and when you're surrounded by good swimmers as well, yeah, uh, people banging into you constantly. The waves. I mean, it, it, it was got silly. I mean, a couple of the, the waves later on got rescued because it was just a bit too choppy. It yeah. was there, there was a shelter bit where you swim out of the harbour, but as soon as you got out to the Pacific Ocean, it was like a big shipping lane and tankers were going by, and you were getting their wake and it was. Yeah. Anyway, I literally hugged the land as I got back and then went off on my run. Um, I wasn't sure if <laughs> international triathlon was for me at that point in time, because you know if it's just it was just a pretty hideous experience. Fortunately, everybody else said it was pretty hideous as well, so that made me feel a little bit better. But then come race day for the um, for the aqua, uh, for the sorry triathlon, I was, I was doing the standard distance, and I. It was very nervous. I mean, my wife, my wife was there doing the sprint. She went off first, so I walked down with her to transition. She was probably going off six, seven, and I wasn't on until about eight or nine. So I had a couple of hours to kill, and I'm literally the only person sat in the transition area for the, for the standard. And then the graduates start to fill up, and I'm seeing all these GB guys come in because uh, we're all racking together, and they just look so good. They're all, yeah, um, I'm... Short and stocky is probably a bit unfair on me, but I'm, I'm built more like a rugby player than than, than a, than a long-distance runner, shall we say? Yeah. And these guys all look live and fit and, yeah, got their GV full kit on and their, their bikes were just amazing. So, so they're all racking up next to me. And, you know, some some were friendlier than others, shall we say? Yes. Yeah. Uh, That's standard. Uh, <laughs> it's standard. But fortunately, a friend of mine had gone out there and he, he didn't actually she arrived to him at the Friday. So I hadn't seen much of him, and he was there. So him and I, we were both in the same boat. This was both our first time. We were of similar standards, and we just kept looking at each other and said, we have our depth there. This just looked a bit ominous. So anyway, the, the swim came. Now, I was quite lucky that uh, with, with, I got back on the horse literally the day after the... Uh, uh, the, the, the day after the Aquathon, because uh, I think it was the... The, the Dutch triathlon team had organised an impromptu swim down at a bay just down the road. So we got on our bikes and we cycled down to this bay. And if you speak to anyone who was in New Zealand for that World Championship, it did not stop raining for the whole time. Really? And it, it was proper rain as well. It yeah. Was absolutely chucking it out. So we rode our bikes down, got drenched, but we're going for a swim. So down to a place called Mission Bay. And there's only a group of us, lady met on the plane, a few others, and we just decided to get back on the horse and get out into this really choppy sea. So they're all going to change, change and I'm, I'm chatting to the, the Kiwi who's organising it. And I said, 
yeah, jokingly, are there any sharks out there? He said, I said, no, nah, mate, only orcas. And I said, oh, that's right, just killer sharks, that was it. Okay, killer whales, sorry. So I, said, I won't tell the others, let them, let them get on with it. So I, I then splashed around there and felt, okay, it's fun. I realised that sea swimming is then fun because it took the edge off. I wasn't racing, it wasn't a world champs. So anyway, back to the start of, of, of the world champs, the, the standard distance. Much the same, but I didn't start in the middle this time. I started to the side. And ironically, the swimmers in a triathlon aren't as good as the swimmers in an aquathon. Yeah. And, and and the same can be said for an aqua bike as well, uh, which I'll come on to later. So triathlon swimmers are generally slower. So, yeah, I found myself nearest the front, which was great. And actually, do you know what? I had a lovely swim. I had a little group of people around me. I just drifted on their feet. And what was the, the, the biggest thing for me then was when I came into transition, I saw all these GB bikes, and they were yeah. all still there. Yeah, 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 and I was the first to take my bike out. So that's and, a big lift. Yeah, exactly. And that, so I just all of a sudden I've gone from thinking I'm so out of my depth to thinking actually, do you know what? Yeah, perhaps I could do this. I had quite a good bike ride. Um, I think I was about third Brit back. So there's only like two other bikes there, and, 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 and I and well, often those days I could run so I had a half decent. I think I ran about forty one or forty two ten k, and I was fourth Brit, which was what they. I think top three bits back in those days qualified for um, the London following year. But do you know what? I had a great race. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Held my own. Uh, I, I, I didn't trouble anywhere near the top half or overall because um, there was a lot of strong Antipodeans and Aus and, and US, USA guys there. But then I had the bug for it. I had the bug for... So I... Entered next following year, there was London, there was, oh, I can't remember how many. Had to go yeah. all of them, did a bit of middle distance stuff, went to Volsi, did that. That was quite good fun. Um, and then the sprint drafting came in, gave that a go. Um, but the big one for me was uh, Ibiza 2018. You went there, didn't you? Did you, did you did I did, you? yeah. I was doing did the duathlon, yeah. Yeah. Well, I meant to do the aquathlon, and I went to do the um, middle distance as well. Of course, you'd have left before the rain then as well. Didn't you? Yeah. you didn't have that torrential downpour. Uh, and doing the aquathlon, it was a couple of days before. I've been having a bit of trouble with my hip, my right hip. Right. And it just been hadn't been painful. It just been extremely stiff, and my my right foot was sort of turned out. You imagine imagine like a half Charlie Chaplin. One side yeah. of me was foot turned out, the other was pointing forward. And it was just like a really weird thing. And everybody said, everybody looked at me and said, you just limp, you limp. Yeah, there's something wrong with you, you limp. Mm. And I had gone to see a surgeon in 2017. Um, I was still racing and still doing stuff, but it was getting progressively worse. And he yeah, looked at my x-rays and said, you need a new hip. So I said, you sure you can't do a little, you know, scrape? And I said, you need a new hip. So he said, take your time, come back whenever, but you, you need a new hip. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll carry on. So I tried a bit of physio, and of course, you're doing bone on bone. So I'm trying to convince myself I need anything <laughs> other, than the, other than the hip replacement. So then I got to do the, the aquathon, and I could swim. Yeah, and my swimming was quite good at the time. Uh, but my run, it was just shocking. It, was, it, it wasn't even really running. It was... It was one left leg acting normally, one right leg swinging behind me. 
Yeah. And it, it, I don't know, I ran 25, 26 minutes. I was the slowest runner in my wave. I got to the end and I thought, yeah, that's it. My running days are over. It's, it's, I, 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 I think about the op when I got back. I had still had the middle distance um, aqua bike to do uh, a couple of days later. So I thought, I'll just do that anyway. So I did the middle distance aqua bike and um, I could cycle with my leg. Although the longer I cycled, the more back trouble I got because I get a lot of back trouble standing up and because I was twisted. And I did the aqua bike, I came second. Which was which is great. So second overall, got the silver medal. Um, so that was happy days. Yeah. And aqua biking is the way forward, obviously. It doesn't involve running. Uh, <laughs> but then I got back, and then shortly after that, I went to see my surgeon later that year. And I'll always remember this conversation. I sat with him, and he said, "Look, it's been a year since we saw each other. Are you ready for your op yet?" I said, "Yeah, I, I think I am. I just want to make sure, though, that you know." Are you saying that afterwards that I might not be able to run? I might not be able to ski. I might not be able to do it. And I listed a few things off. And he then turned around to me and said, can you do those things now? And I said, no. And that was when the light bulb came on. I thought, well, if I can't do that, what am I actually going to give up anyway by having my hip replaced? And he said, look, there's a fair chance you can run after. There's a fair chance you can ski after. You know, at the moment, you've got zero chance. Yeah, yeah. So that's I, a I said, fantastic way of looking at it, isn't it? Yeah. What a, what and that, that, that was the light bulb. That's what yeah. I say to anybody who yeah. wants it, wants it. Yeah. And I'll come on to that in a minute because there's many I've spoken to yeah. about this. So I booked into operation in January and I went in, had it done. Uh, and I was both apprehensive and excited. Mm. Uh, I just didn't know what to expect. Um, for anyone who ever gets it done, it's two weeks of hell. One week of one day of one night of excruciating pain, and then it's two weeks of hell, and then it's all right. And then there's a little curve up. But I had a target. I'd, I'd qualified the year before, even though I couldn't run, which was quite amusing. I'd qualified to compete in Lausanne, the World Sprint Championships, later later that year, and actually made a note how long it took. Um, Seven years, five days from when I had my hip replaced, I, I competed in the World Championships in, in Lausanne. Uh, and it was sprint triathlon. Uh, my run was okay. It was a hilly run. Uh, but I had a bit of a calf injury going into it. So, so that was my hindrance more than my hip. That's nothing wrong with my hip. I had quite a good race. What's fascinating, though, and if you're interested, I can share this with you. There's, a, there's two pictures of me running to to the professional pictures taken on, on site. One of me I'm in Ibiza, landing on my right leg, which is my which was my replaced leg, or it wasn't when I was in Ibiza, and one in Lausanne, taking at almost the same moment, my foot in the same position on the floor. And it's like, wow, you, the difference between the two. My surgeon uses this now. He, he tells everybody about it. This is an example, the before and after. And he, then he says to me, this was seven months later. You know, mm. this is just shows you the difference. Um, so those pictures are worth looking side by side because yeah, you'll, you'll have to pass them on, send them through. My position's identical, but you can but you can see. Yeah. So I suppose I'll come back to my hip journey a bit then, and but then I then I could compete a bit more until about 2020. My hip started. My other hip started playing up, and I was told that I need a new one of those at some stage. Did the so uh, time, just yeah. just going back? Did did they say why or what caused the the hip issues in the first place? Ah, very good question. Um, when I was playing rugby back in the twenties, um, I had a bit of an injury. I tore my thigh uh, sprinting. 
it's, it's not not pleasant when you're running flat out, but it was one of those things. Ended up me having surgery and x-rays and stuff. And when I had the x-rays done, I, I always remember, this, probably about 24 at the time, the surgeon looked at my hips and he said, oh, you got those kind of hips. And I said, well, what's that mean? He said, you're going to need a replacement sometime in the future. Wow. So ultimately, it was hereditary. My father's yeah. had both hips replaced. My uncle's oh, had okay. both. My aunt's had one. And it's hereditary. Did I wear it out? Possibly. Wicket-keeping might have done it. Maybe. Sporty lifestyle. Maybe. But as my surgeon said, it was going to happen anyway. So right. yeah. uh, probably probably better to happen when you're younger than later. Yeah, which, sure. again, so I don't think it wasn't an injury or a series of injuries playing rugby or you know like most boys I spent more time on the floor rolling around than I did standing up so yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it, I would put it down more to hereditary because there is the family history of it so 2020 I started to get a lot of pain in my left hip uh, which I or groin actually whereas my right side I had no pain and it's excruciating I get up most nights around the sofa two in the morning just trying to just trying to you know get through the night really um and it was agony so i contacted my surgeon it's middle of covid and he said look bizarrely i can fit you in pretty quickly um i think it was early 2021 so he said coming in may and uh, we'll get you a date in may so i had to wait about three months when i chatted to him so uh 15th of may 21 uh rocked up to have my left hip replaced now i knew what to expect this time yeah so um i'm i knew what i could my limits in my body and my recovery so i was determined to recover much quicker this time um and i did all the exercises again i can i can share those later um but that one i'd also entered and qualified for valencia uh actually wasn't valencia at malmo the year before uh, when I could run, uh, but Malmo, because the COVID got delayed, and it became Valencia in, in 2021. So I was doing Valencia in the September, and this was May. So lo and behold, four months, literally four months and 10 days after I had my left hip replaced, I raced in Valencia. Uh, I did okay, again, but I had a calf injury just before, again. Uh, so, <laughs> do, you was, do you think that was tied to it? or No, I, I used to get them before. Just a coincidence? Anyway. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, another family trait. I have big calves, and they're 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 powerful sprinters' calves. And when I start racking up miles, they they grumble. And of course, being a typical athlete, as soon as they grumble, rather than rest, I just keep going until they go pop. And then I think they've recovered, and I try and go again. You know, if I had, if I had the patience to take two or three weeks off, I probably wouldn't get you know, mm. anywhere near the injuries. But but I had a short. To, I mean, four months after a hip hop to be running a five k isn't a lot of time because it takes you a couple of months just to just to start walking. Yeah. yeah. So I had to focus on trying to do as much as I can in, in, without overdoing it too much. So yeah, I did did the five k then. Um, so I think except the world light, it was either late twenty two, early twenty threes. Yeah, that was all right. I was, I was just happy to be there, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Route swim was all right. Bike was all right. Uh, and then since 2021, so I had 22, what did I do last year? I think I'm sure I did something. I did Bill Bauer last year, Aqua Bike and Aqua Thong. I think that was the only one I did. This year so far, I've done the Worlds in um, Hamburg, Sprint and Mixed Relay. I mean, then in next week, 
for the Middle Distance. Oh, yeah, line. yeah, yeah. There's a few yeah. few that I've had on the podcast to go in. Uh, yeah, and then I'm in Pontevedra again yeah. later, this, later this year for the standard aqua bike and the super sprint. Cool. So I'm making the most of my new hips. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm never a front packer. I'm always in the middle, but you know. I'm, yeah, but I'm it's just, you know, it's just getting. You've still got to. You've still got to qualify. You know what I mean? And as you as you said earlier, it's not it's not as easy and as straightforward as as people think it is, especially in our age group. You know, oh, what it's I mean? most competitive. It, yeah. It's so competitive, isn't it? Just don't get into aquabike because that's where it's even more competitive. The, the, yeah. the both swifties aquabiking is, is is almost getting as busy now as as, as the middle distance racing. Because you get to a certain age, especially especially on the middle distance length of thing, because a lot of people like the middle distance but can't run a half marathon anymore because the yeah. various elements in their fifties and sixties. But aqua bike has been, you know, godsend for the the, the non runners. I mean, aquathon is one thing, but you still need to be able to run. Mm. But aqua bike, and you find the quality of swimming. Just look at Bill Bauer. Um, Bill Bauer, I, I say, I'm, I'm, I'm a swimmer. I was probably sixth in my age group in the aqua bike, but I'd have been first in my age group in the middle distance. Yeah. And that just gives you an idea of the difference between, you know, the standard uh, and, and then the guys who were getting out before me then were getting out quite a long way before me as well. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't like I was just behind them. So it's it's actually, if I'm honest, more competitive at the top end, which is which I find a lovely challenge because yeah. I get my head biking um, a bit. So, I mean, partly the reason I contacted you, as I said to you, was really that over the last couple of years since I've had both hips done, uh, I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, you know, you're obviously still doing triathlon. I need my hip done. You know, what advice would you give? Or or in many cases, which is very flattering, a lot of people say you're an inspiration because you know, you're, you're still doing it. And if I'm honest, I'm quicker now than I was before. <laughs> if I wanted to be, I mean, my running, if I wanted, I, I used to run sub, sub, sub 20 back when I was doing it properly. I probably could do that again if I wanted to. It's it's, it's finding the time and inclination now, which I probably lack a little bit more of than, than, than the pain I put myself through it. So I, I'm no worse. I'm definitely no worse than I was before. Yeah. I mean, my swim and my bike, I think my biking, my swim hasn't changed. My biking is arguably stronger than it's ever been. Um, and yeah, I've been doing this 12 years the, the age group stuff anyway so I'm definitely not getting any slower yeah. uh, but there's a lot of people around me not getting slower either so it's, no, so I'm not no, getting any closer to the front it's just a, lot of a trade off isn't it Yeah, <laughs> and you're getting newer more... people coming in who haven't been doing it for 12 years exactly, you know, exactly. and they haven't got the wear and tear and you yeah. know what I mean they just they just rock up and yeah but I'm not going backwards at least. So that's, that's, I think that's, that's the key I always say you know it's not necessarily when you're getting older is to get any faster. It's not to get any slower. Exactly. And that's sort of where I am at the moment. I, I quite yeah. enjoy staying there. Yeah. So I, I've got no ambition to, to really train hard to be at the front. Um, I, I have a busy job. I have a family. Yeah. I like wine. You know, it's it's, it's just not, not for me. I mean, I, I train enough to finish in the middle, not be last for it, and, and do okay and, and, and enjoy qualifying each yeah. year. And I think that, uh, that's the key thing, isn't it? Enjoying it. Yeah. And the then the experience. really exciting thing is, is my daughters do it as well. Yeah, I saw, um, yeah, I saw that, that's, which is, do they both do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucy, my youngest, uh, she was in uh, Hamburg with me. Uh, right. That was her first world. She's done Europeans in Valencia. 
couple of years ago. She was she was sixteen then. Although it's a shame she didn't do Sweden because she'd have been fifteen because she'd have been the youngest probably ever. I think at fifteen because it's the age in which you go up. So she'd been sixteen after. Yeah. Which would been quite sweet, but but she was still the youngest. I think comprehensive. She she's a very good triathlete. She's a swimmer. Yeah. Um, actually, both my daughters are swimmers. They they were literally chucked in the deep end, and you know, she's a national swimmer, or was a national swimmer. Uh, so she she can order into, but she's a sprinter, a bit like her dad. So she has to learn converting fifty meters to seven hundred and fifty meters. And you know, I I, I know non swimmers are envious of swimmers. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big it's a big difference swimming fifty meters flat out and then swimming seven fifty. It's a big difference. And, she yeah, struggled. but it's all about the technique, isn't it, really? You know what I mean? You can build up your stamina. It takes you years to try and improve your technique. Exactly. But watching her swim, her leg kick was like an outboard motor. Of course, then put a wetsuit on her and her feet are actually out of the water. It just looks quite comical. Um, but, but she's now finally cracked uh, swimming, swimming longer distance. Whereas my younger, my older daughter actually was never a sprinter, but she was a good steady eddy swimmer, so she's always been quite good. So, yeah, Lucy, my youngest, was with me in um, Hamburg. And my oldest is coming to Menin with me to do the aquathon. She's done a couple of worlds herself. She did Lausanne with me and Rotterdam. Uh, and my wife used to compete. Uh, I don't think she had any more age groups now, but she did a few. Um, she's did, did Auckland and the uh, few of the Europeans, Lisbon and Geneva. So yeah, we, yeah. we did it as a family thing. We had raced together all four of us a couple of times. Yeah, uh, not in not a GB event though, I don't think, but yeah. in other races. So it's I, I, I'm lucky in the sense that everybody in the family gets it. You know, they get what you want. Yeah, yeah. we got eleven. We got eleven bikes in the garage. Yeah, gives you an idea. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. there's a. There's, there's a lot of oil and lycra in our house. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's so cool that, you know, your kids are involved and, you know, you can race together. It's just so, so nice, isn't it? Then, well, that's what inspires me. It inspires me to, to race with them. And mm-hmm. They like watching me race. It's all part of the camaraderie of it all. Yeah. Uh, my daughter still wants to beat me, but she hasn't yet. It's still uh, It'll a golf action when, when I had a mechanical on my bike, but we, we don't count that one. Yeah. Um, It'll come soon enough. Well, I, I, again, it's like the it's like the hip thing. You keep trying to put it off, but eventually you can. Uh, I, I think she's a season away. Um, yeah. she's, next year, I think she'll be she'll be oh, But yes, yeah, so I wanted to mention about if anyone was interested in some hip stuff. I had so many people because the yeah the age group fifty five through to sixty fives and stuff are having hip replacements now and and are thinking it's the end. Um, mm. Whereas. I never thought it was the end when I realized that I wasn't giving up anything. It was always a beginning. This is the beginning of my next stage. And I, I was then excited about it. I mean, every day I would walk a little further and step a little more or just, just do something a little bit more each time. And it was like little bit by little bit. And then all of a sudden, you know, like Forrest Gump, I was running again. Yeah. And I think it's a mentality. It's, it's the mentality, isn't it? Because... You know, a lot of people, unlike you, would and, and not with your background and would just think, oh, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And, you know, that worries me. Whereas it's the mindset. And I think, you know, if you've got that mindset anyway in life, then it just spurs you on. So, yeah, you are, you know, to, to share your story of what you can do is, you know, it's commendable because then it will inspire other people to actually think, well, he's done it. 
you know, we can do it as well. But also, I, I need to caveat, this is not for everybody. I mean, I know some people who would have a hip replacement and say, oh, I'm never going to run again. I don't want to wear it out. And it's, it's, it's horses, of course. I mean, my surgeon was, was, is, is traveling. He was next GBA group, but back in the day, the early, early 2000s, still does Ironmans when he can. Uh, he knew that I wanted to compete again. He said, mm. yeah. And, and the newer style hips, uh, there's, there's not enough track record to, to know when they ever wear out. The old adage of 15 years is the ones from 20, 30 years ago where they got yeah. some data. The, the, the new style ones, you know, I can either die with it or not. But do you know what? I'd rather have 15, 20 years of doing what I want to do mm. and then stop than yeah. not wearing it out and dying in my 80s thinking, well, what a waste of 30 years that was. So I take the view if I need a, another replacement, which apparently everybody says, everybody believes is a um, is a bad thing. Actually, is is again, it's very easy. I mean, new hips, you either just take off the head or replace the cup, and yeah, yeah. It, it, and just and, and I guess just think what it's going to be like in another 10, 15 years. Technology has moved on. Things have moved on. You know. They're doing these operations now for fun, aren't they? So it's yeah, yeah. it's going to be even even easier, even better, I would imagine. Yeah, but there's I mean there's there's six triathletes I, I personally have come up to me in the, in the last year or so who had hips replaced, and they're all back competing. Uh, in fact, what last year was quite funny. We did a, a, a sprint relay, a local sprint. I think the console was a local sprint, no, uh, a super sprint relay, and it was a team of hip replacements. <laughs> uh, all, all over 50 but we came third overall that is you know, so, cool. yeah we were all quite good triathletes and yeah i'm racing with a good friend of mine who's he's a he's an ex-gp now retired good for him uh him and i are going to pontevedra to do the um admittedly we're doing we're doing the aqua bike and we're not running but that's more free choice just we never like running anyway um but you know it's it, there's many out there and there's not many talking about uh, th there is life after a hip replacement, so, yeah. but but it's but it's not for everybody. I mean, I I, I respect anyone who says, Do you know, I don't want to run anymore. I, I I don't want to run the risk of wearing it out or whatever. Yeah, but like you've just said, though, I mean, there's other things that you can do, like the aqua bike, and that's the beauty of multi sport, mm. isn't it? Because there's always Absolutely. you know people who don't like running, and I say this quite a lot. Then they can do aqua bike if you don't yeah. like. You know, if you don't like swimming, you do duathlons or you're not yeah. good at it. Uh, yeah. That's my main, main, yeah. uh, you know, sport, really. I do triathlons. Um, but again, it's what we said earlier. It's just because you haven't got the technical ability, you haven't been swimming from a smaller age, then it's it's a lot more difficult to try and qualify. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when I see, I mean, my wife, for example, unfortunately, she, she's surrounded by three swimmers in the family. She yeah. she did head up breaststroke until she was about forty, yeah. and then had to learn to swim front crawl. Yeah. And the best woman in the world, she's never going to be near the front of the night, no matter how what she does. She, yeah. And she she trains more than we do on, on swimming, um, because she didn't learn when she was young. And unfortunately, it's one of those things. There there is the odd exception. I admit there is the odd exception mm. who who can do it. But most people, if you haven't got a swim background. It's and when watching my children as well. I mean, I know when they do the um, the, the selection for the junior national selections, they're not interested in your bike type. All they want to know is if can you swim and yeah, run, yeah, because yeah. they can teach you cycling. 
that, yeah. that's, that's, the, that's the one they you know, just sit on a bike and ride lots. Um, absolutely I probably just offended all the cyclists out there but... well not really I mean you look at look at Alex Yee you know yeah. he wasn't particularly a great swimmer I mean he wasn't bad but yeah. that level those standards he wasn't the best swimmer yeah. you know and he's worked on it and worked on it yeah. but his run and his bike were so well even his bike wasn't great yeah. to be fair. but he had the run but he had the run yeah Yeah. so he only needed really to work on the swim because the bike especially in draft racing looks after itself it does. Um, to a certain extent, if you can get your swim right, if you can get it. Yeah, if you can get in the pack. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I like I like draft racing because uh, a local a local race, I'll be out on near the front in 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 a world championship. I'll be second or third pack, uh, which is nice because it's still near the front. But yeah. 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 So you still feel like you're you're, you're part of it. Um, yeah, my run's been letting me down, so I'll either I'll either sort that out next year or or, or not bother. Um, I'm more, more inclined to try and sort it out a bit more. Yeah, good. But I'll, but I'll only do five k's. I don't think I'll, I'll. I may do an Olympic. I may do a middle, but I'm not going to do another marathon. That's for sure. Yeah, cool. Well, that's a great story. Um, on that, I saw when you got into age group. Did you? Were you a coach? Were you part of a club? Oh no! Yeah, well, that's exactly what I when I got into it. No, I just rocked up and did the race, and then I joined Bad Try, right? Uh, and that was coach swim sessions. We would go out Saturday bike rides, and there would be a couple of run sessions, which I didn't join in. I'd, I'd run on my own, so I didn't have a coach then. Um, but Andy Bullock, who was the head coach, uh, he uh, he coached me up until the Ironman. Um, which I did in 2011. So he coached me up to that because I thought I needed the discipline of a coach. Um, and uh, then I didn't choose a coach for a while. And then I had another coach called Katie Singe, who was a pro triathlete at the time. Uh, she no longer, I don't believe she races anymore. She's, she's an ex-bad tri triathlete. And... Uh, and then, uh, latterly, uh, I was being coached by Annie, em Annie Emerson for a while. Um, right. She's 21, shortly after my hip-hop. I think it was after Valencia. But then, uh, <laughs> it was another operation. I had three major operations in the last um, four years. Um, it is, it's quite a common operation, but I had a few complications. It's, uh, I started getting atrial fibrillation back in mm. during covid I'd be, I was out running one day, wearing my Garmin, and then realised that my heart rate went up to 200 beats a minute. And I thought, that's a bit unusual. Uh, so I stopped running, went for my heart rate to go down. It did, being a typical bloke. And I thought, oh, I'll just carry on then. So I carried on running. <laughs> and it went back up to 200. So I, I, I waited again. So I repeated this a couple of times. Got back, thought nothing more of it. It was back to normal. A week or so later, I was swimming in a pool, and I felt it go again. You, you know when it goes, you just feel this kind of clutch of it. And I was a bit breathless. So I just paused and waited. And again, it stopped. And then a week later, I swim again. It went again. And um, this time it didn't stop. So I got home and I sat on the sofa. And this time I actually told my wife that something was going on. So previously, I hadn't even mentioned it to her. So I sat on the sofa, my heart's going to like 220 beats a minute, thinking this isn't normal. It needs to stop. So that's when I started Googling. I thought, oh, I better do some research, find out what's going on with them. 
So I researched and there was a few tips. They said, like, try holding your breath or eat something or drink some cold water. So I drank some ice cold water and then it stopped. It so my wife said, look, you've got to go and see someone, you know, get it sorted. So I said, okay. So I went to see a cardiologist. Um, again, literally smack, this is literally about a month before COVID hit. So mm. we're looking to February 2020. And I showed him my Garmin figures, the Mar rate, and he said, yeah, you, you've got atrial fibrillation. You can either have an op or, or learn to live with it. And I thought, Operation Heart, I'll learn to live with it. I, I was sorting out what was causing it. It's mostly dehydration, I think, in my case. But it, it still couldn't manage it completely. And it, 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 it was just annoying. If I was doing a race, if I was on a bike, I'd, I'd have to stop and just that's it, my day's over. Mm. And I couldn't train certain days. And it was just annoying. Um, but I'd just muck on through it. But there was one time in particular when I was, uh, I was up in London working and uh, I'd been out with a client for lunch. It wasn't, it wasn't even an alcoholic lunch. I just think I had one bottle of water all day. So I hadn't actually drunk much. Got back to my hotel room at six o'clock. Uh, I was staying in Paddington somewhere. And my heart went again. And, oh, but when he went, I mean, the beats just shot up. And I thought, okay. Uh, and I just sat on the bed waiting for it to stop, trying to do some emails. And two or three hours later, it was it was like eight, nine o'clock at night. And it's still, it was in the summer. It still hadn't stopped. And I, I thought, right, okay, I'll go, go have a cold shower. That might work. So I tried to get out of my bed and I sort of pretty much collapsed. Mm. And I was all dizzy. And I thought, oh, no, this, this isn't good. This isn't good. Right, I haven't had this before. Don't like this, don't like this. So, uh, I thought, right, what am I going to do? I said, I can go home, it'd take me like three hours to get back to Bristol, then, then what am I going to do? Or I could go find the local AE to where I was. And so, well, I, I googled AE, I'm, I'm literally 500 meters from St. Mary's Hospital in Paddington. So, I thought, right, that's it. So, I packed quickly, packed everything in my bag, and I got my bag. And I, I tried to walk the 500 meters to St. Mary's Hospital longest 500 meters of my life i had to stop every 10 20 meters just to get my breath mm. and i think this isn't good this isn't good and because i'm clutching my chest with my hand and there's two policemen outside uh, and, and these two policemen they looked at me and they looked at me in horror and came towards me and i thought blimey what have i done uh, and then what i realized is as i was chucking everything in my bag i'd actually cut my finger and i was wearing a white shirt and i'd oh. been clutching my chest with my hand and I had blood all down my shirt. So I'm walking into A&E looking like I've been stabbed. Right. So they said, so they said, quick, quick, we'll get you in. So they said, have you been stabbed? And I said, no, but I think I'm having a heart attack. Or words to that effect. So don't worry, we'll get you in anyway. So they, they literally got me straight past the front of the queue, straight into A&E. Uh, and then they said, strip me off, chuck me on a bed, explain what's going on. Um, I was told I was the nicest smelling patient they ever had because I'd literally had that shower. <laughs> Like a minute, before, a couple of minutes before, to just to, these yeah, electrodes on me, ECGs, and all sorts. And the, and the slightly worrying thing is, they said, we're not clear what's going on here. Uh, and I thought that was slightly worrying. So your, your heart's all over the place. And then he called this other guy in. He said, oh, I've seen this before. I know what you got. And the clock may be in and sort of stopped. And they, they put me on a saline drip. And they said, Look, you can either stay the night here or go back to the rush. Trying to go back to the hotel room, thanks. Yeah. So they said, look, if it happens again, don't try and walk it. Just drink, drink 999, get an ambulance and, and get you in. 
So I said, fine, okay. So I walked the 500 meters back to the hotel room, literally got in uh, the room and closed the door and my, it went again. It started beating really fast again. Oh, let me just sit, relax, hit a stop. Of course it didn't. And I waited about three in the morning and then rang the ambulance. Uh, and they said, stay in your room, we'll come up and get you. I said, oh no, that's embarrassing. No, I'll come, I'll come down and meet you outside. So I didn't like just outside they chat me in the back of the ambulance to the ecg tutted quite a bit looked at each other and said yeah, you're a blue lighter so i said what does that mean so that means we blue light you straight into a and e you know yeah your heart rate's too high to to cue so straight into a and e straight back in earlier and they thought it was quite amusing that was uh it did settle down again i left at six or seven in the morning and, and then went home and said, look we, we can refer you through the NHS so you can get this done, sorted out. You need to, to pay and go and see a, a cardiologist and get this sorted. Um, here's your ECG meetings. We're not quite sure what's going on here, but he would know. So I went back home that day. I'd rung the cardiologist I'd, I'd, I'd seen previously, and he got me in very short notice. This was a couple of days after. And I showed him the images of the ECGs. Uh, he said, no wonder they couldn't figure it out, because um, there's two things going on here. He said, you've got atrial fibrillation, and atrial fibrillation with your left ventricle, apparently, flutters up and down. So your heart rate goes from 60 to 160 and more, and then up and down, up and down. And you've got that going on, but your other ventricle, your left ventricle, ventricle um, you've got atrial flutter. An atrial flutter is when your heart rate stays the same, about like 156 beats a minute, so it'll stay flat. One ventricle trying to go up and down, the other ventricle trying to stay the same, and you just get this really weird ECG reading. And he said, look, you can try and live with it again like you did before, or you, just, you could have the arm. And again, it's a bit like the hip, because I've had the hips done by now, so I'm used to sort of having some major drops. And uh, I said, look, what, you know, what's, what's sort of the... Worst case here. What, what happened if I leave it? He said, look, you can live with it. That's not a problem. Many people do. He said, but it's not going to go away. Now it started, it's not going to go away. And the occurrences are only going to get worse. And the longer you leave it, the harder it is to fix. So I think that, that was the last bit did it for me. And he said, the longer it is, the, last, the harder it is to fix. I said, do you know what? Let's just do it. So I booked in a month or so later. Um, and through the NHS, actually, uh, actually, both my hips were through the NHS as well, uh, which, which was great. And I had my heart done. And he told me that, that after 10 days, you can start training again, just likely to start with, but you know, you can get back out there. So, sure enough, day 10, uh, I decided to have a little run around the box. And it was the hardest run of my life. I, I, I determined to make it because it's like a you know, two kilometer shuffle around the block. Uh, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I run it. Uh, and I got. It shouldn't be like this. And I googled everywhere. It shouldn't be like this. Then I thought, right. The following day, I thought I'll go for a swim. I literally got to the end of the swimming pool, and and I had to stop. Uh, I couldn't breathe. I literally couldn't breathe. As it felt like I was drowning, kind of breathing. And I thought, this this is not right. And I had similar action in a race the year before when I actually stopped first time ever when I was swimming and held on to because I just couldn't breathe. And I, I, I put it down to maybe this thing with my heart at the time, uh, but I just held on. 
because um, I was looking forward to the biking run. I didn't want my race to stop just then, so so I carried on. Um, but I then really, really struggled for weeks with, with, with breathing. I couldn't really run anywhere. Cycling seemed okay, bizarrely. I could cycle. I couldn't swim. I couldn't get more than two lengths without stopping or, or literally feeling a drowning. And people would say to me, oh, yeah, you hold your breath underwater. I said, well, I'm a swimmer. I, I swim. I, I know I know how it feels to breathe when you swim. Yeah, I've been doing it since I was six years old. Something's wrong. I'm telling you, something is wrong. This isn't right. So the surgeon then gave me a, a call. And he said, look, come in. We'll do some tests. So I went and did a load of tests. And he said, I generally cannot see anything wrong with your heart. Nothing wrong with your heart. Nothing we we would have done would cause shortness of breath. And then he paused. He said, have you had COVID recently? Mm. And I said, I don't think so. But the last time I was tested was before I went to hospital, not after. And I said, do you know what? After I left hospital, after my heart, heart it felt just like I'd had COVID because I'd had COVID twice before. And he said, it felt just like I had COVID, but I assumed it was my heart, not COVID. So I didn't bother testing myself. And he said, do you know what? I think you've had COVID. And I think it was a, a question of, I sort of developed a bit of long COVID because I couldn't breathe with, with water. And then... It didn't get any better, the breathing. Well, actually, did it get better? It got a little bit better. Um, I could swim six to eight lengths before I stopped, but it still wasn't right. Uh, I didn't try to do to stop on the swim. Because once I stopped, get my breath, I could go again. So I was entering races knowing at some stage I'll stop on the swim, which wasn't day to Italy. And I took my bike on. There was cycled in Sicily, but well, I'm from Bristol. My parents live in Cork. I've, I've cycled some hills, but Sicily is, you know, these hills look like you know, mountains. It was it was proper hilly. Uh, I remember one one ride I was up, and I got lost up in the hills, and I was sat on my bike trying to figure out where I'm going. Look at my phone, and I was on gravel, and I figured out where I was going. I just just went to clip back into my bike, and I slipped, fell over. Yeah, done it dozens of times before. I'm sure we all have. Yeah. I was stationary. Yeah. yeah, I was just a bit embarrassed. The car went past, and I was just oh god, it's embarrassing. Yeah, a little bit bashed because I landed on gravel. And I got up and looked down, and my leg was cut. My Achilles. It wasn't just cut. It was it was very very deep cut. And then I realised why. I caught myself on a cable tie which was on my road bike, which I used to put my elastic bands in my shoes, and it sliced the back of my leg right by the Achilles. And there was blood pouring everywhere. And I'd been on blood thinners because of my heart up. And I just, it would have been a mess. But when I've been cycling with blood thinners, I've been taking a first aid kit with me. Unfortunately, yeah. I took this first, I actually had it with me. So I bandaged myself up as tight as I could. Uh, and I thought, I'm still 20K from the hotel. I've got to cycle 20K with the deepest looking gash on my leg. And I've got, yeah, I mean, Italy, I don't speak Italian apart from ciao and you know, a few other choice Italian words. Uh, I could try and cycle back. So I tried cycling back very tentatively. It took me a long time. Got back to my room, rang my wife, who's two of my daughters, and said, look, I've cut my leg. Can come have a look? My daughter, who likes this kind of stuff, she, she was wanting to be a paramedic at the time, 16 year old Lucy, the youngest, she came running back to the 
running back to the room is this is the most exciting thing of the holiday to check a wound out and um she, she took one one look at she got to go to hospital uh, my wife took a look and was actually sick uh, when she oh. looked and she said i'll go get the i'll go get the first aid of, uh, first from the, from the hospital and she came in and i put this just like a small bandage on the back of my leg so it didn't look much because i stopped the bleeding uh, or it wasn't because the cut was so clean the bleeding wasn't much so this lady came in the first aid with the first aid kit and um she took one look at the when i untook the bandage because she said oh there's nothing yet i got a little bit of you know tcp we'll put some got more on it'd be fine Opened it up, took the one look at it, and she was almost sick. She, she, you know, you need to go to hospital. So she said, but the ambulance probably wouldn't come for you for that. They probably wouldn't believe you, but we'll, we'll get you a taxi. And, we'll, we'll take and of course, this is the middle of blooming a COVID outbreak in Italy as well. So the hospital's closed, apart from any emergencies. Uh, and you have to wait outside in the car park to be seen. They wouldn't allow you in. And there's me and about eight other uh, my wife stayed with me for a while, but bless her, she shouldn't have wasted the day just sat there. Because I was there six hours waiting to be seen. Me and about eight to ten other Italians, we were, we were, we were like it. Yeah, no, They didn't speak English, I didn't speak Italian, but we all got on. If you know what I mean, it was one of those, it was like shipwrecked on an island together, we all sat in the car park waiting to be seen. And then fortunately, one other Italian guy did tell me, he spoke a little bit of English, and he told me what I needed to do. Otherwise, without him, I'd probably still be there. So eventually I got seen and this sort of triage nurse looked at me as I was completely wasting their time because by now I probably had a you know a a band a plaster on the back, no no bigger than like a credit card, if you like, but that was covering the cut. And she thought I was like, wasting her time. So she just you know, lined me down on the on the bed and then she peeled it off. And then you could just hear, hear her go, oh my god to get the surgeons and then they come in and then what's the big deal it doesn't look very big and they'd be like oh my god because it was just really deep and this yeah. is quite hard to explain so it's become really really deep cut and they thought i'd talk, cut my achilles in half as well so fortunately a surgeon turned up who could speak english and he said look what i'm gonna have to do is i'm gonna have to get in with my fingers and see if you're Achilles has actually been cut because if he's cut, this is, this is a big thing. And uh, he said it's going to hurt. I said, okay, thanks. So he then got in with his fingers, started rolling around. And I was just going, yeah, as, as you would, uh, I, I, I was very loud coming out of the room with a few other choice words in there as well. And he, he was great. He was great because he knew how to put me at ease. He started joking. He said, uh, in, in England, you say ah, you're in pain. I say, well, well yeah. So ah, in, in Italy, they we say I instead of ah, we say I. So I said, great, I'll, I'll swear Italian from now. So from there on, he's like, I, 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 every time. Blah, blah. So um, that sort of focused my mind elsewhere. But he was amazing. Uh, 28 stitches late, whatever. He said, your, your Achilles is fine, but here's some antibiotic. Yeah, take those, no swimming. And I still had six days left of holiday and you've been told no swimming and you had a 50 metre pool in the hotel. So, And then stupidly I decided to go swimming after you know, like a couple of weeks and it got infected. So I needed another course of antibiotics. So I went to the GP and said, infected. So, so look, don't swim now for like three weeks. Take this course of antibiotics. So finished the course of antibiotics, went for a swim and it was like I was a teenager again. 
I could breathe. It was like I was cured. It was like a sense of everything was okay. And this is really weird. So I started doing a bit of research on antibiotics and COVID. And the research says it does nothing for COVID at all, but it can fight the effects of long COVID, especially any remnants of pneumonia on the lungs. Wow. So great. And I thought it's fine until I got COVID again, which was early this season, January, February time. And I couldn't breathe again. But I knew, I knew what the problem was. I knew it was, um, uh, I, I had this, I, well, did I know? I thought I knew it was, if I take antibiotics, I'll learn. And a good friend of mine, the GP, who I'm actually going to come to bed with, he, he, was, um, he was on the COVID task force in Bristol, and he was, when his job was allocating you know, um, cases and study, studying the effects of COVID. So I rang and told him this, told him my story about the antibiotics. He said, actually, do you know not enough research has been done about COVID. That may or may not be true. We just don't know. Yeah. So he said, Look, why don't you go see a GP, get some antibiotics, see if it, if it works. So I went to see my GP, and they said, this is interesting, and they did all the tests, breathing tests on me. And they said, you're fine, you can breathe. I said, no, I can't, you know. Yeah, yeah but when I go swimming, I can't breathe. And they said, oh, yeah, a lot of people can't breathe when they swim. I said, no, no, but I mean, you know, I'm a swimmer. I know when I can breathe or not, I can't breathe. So he said, he sort of reluctantly said, okay, I'll give you a course of antibiotics. And you know what? Eight, ten days later, breathing fresh again. And it was, and since then, that was earlier this year. Since then, one, I haven't caught COVID again. Uh, and two, I've been breathing fine. So out of my accident then, but that sort of goes back to when I was being coached by Annie Emerson when you asked about coach. So it's, it's a back of the story. Annie had me join that period where I couldn't breathe, uh, no. my swimming. So she had me at the beginning of that. But then I hit this stage I couldn't breathe. And it was just, she was doing sets for me. And I was saying, that's what I just can't do it. I just can't. And I, I, lo I lost my I lost my mojo a bit then as well, if I'm honest. Um, but when I could breathe again, it all came back. Hence yeah. this year. Hence this year's been good. But I, I just self-coach now. I just do, you know, I do everything on film. I, I follow a bit of the Brett Sutton approach to, to coaching. That my, my session today is based on what I did yesterday and what I'm going to do tomorrow and, and no really any. So, so if I ran yesterday, I won't run today because I never run two days in a row. But if I swam and biked yesterday, I might just do an easy swim today or a, or a run. I never do like a double hard session or something like that. So, so I'm literally making, planning my day the day before based on what I've done that day and what I'm going to do the day after. Yeah. yeah but I'm not, tra I'm not training to win. I'm training to, to have a good time, you know, enjoy myself with my family, you know, finish somewhere in the swim. I know I'm a strong swim biker. At Hamburg this year, for example, um, I was literally the first Brit off the bike. I, I ended up eighth or ninth Brit, you know, because they all run past me. And, you know, most of them who know me say a little high as they go past because they sort of know it's going to happen. Yeah. At some stage, I'll, I'll, I'll be at or near the front and then, they all run past me. And one day, one day I'll just keep going on the run, and then I'll either think I've stopped somewhere, and then be shocked to see that I've actually finished. But I'm waiting for that day to come. <laughs> cool. Well, that's a great story. Lots of things to think about there, especially for people who are worrying about hips and uh, you know future of of how they're going to deal with it. I think you'll have um, give them food for thought, definitely. Uh, so thanks for that. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy to talk to anybody. I mean. I'm, I'm available on Facebook 
if anyone wants to message me, if, have, if they're thinking of having a hip or if they've had a hip operation or they're just worried about anything to do with the hip. Yeah, I, I say it's not the same for everybody. I wouldn't necessarily recommend what I do to everybody, but it's it's what I am doing though, showing it's possible if it's something you do want to do. Yeah, yeah you can compete at the same level as you could before. That would even be better if you want to be. Yeah. Right, we'll get to the uh, quick fire questions. Um, oh, blimey, more questions. Okay, I thought we'd done right. Okay, far away. Just a, just a few quick fire questions I always ask people at the yeah. end. What's your favourite bit of kit? My favourite bit of kit? Wetsuit. Uh, I wear a, a Blue 70 Helix. And I've right. got a Blue 70 Helix um, a thermal as well. Uh, and the reason why it's my favourite suit, and... It's it's almost like saying that you're a swimmer by wearing it. I know I know that sounds really weird, but it, it, even in Hamburg, it happened to me that um, I, I, it's, it's a GB guy. I had actually met him before, though we realised we'd actually wasted each other quite a few times. We're still waiting for the swim start, just waiting to get up onto. And yeah, brief hellos. I'm, I'm quite an approachable guy, and we love to chat. And tell him that yeah, looking forward to the swim bike that goes downhill after that. But yeah, I'm a swimmer, so that'd be great. And his immediate response was, yeah, I knew you were a swimmer because you were in that wetsuit. And that's the kind of response. So it's it's not only the most comfortable wetsuit I've ever worn, and it's just great. It also makes me feel good wearing it, if that makes sense. But I've got a lot of nice kit, but that's the one which, when I put my Blue 70 Helix on, I just feel good wearing it. What resources, books, videos, podcasts do you use to help you with triathlon over the years? I suppose you've, you've got a lot of experience now. Yeah, very little now, but at the beginning yeah. I did everything. But, yeah. yeah, the time crunch triathlete to, uh, I don't know, the eight-hour cycling thing to all the Joe Frill stuff. And I did everything, read everything and how to train with power meters. And now, if I'm honest, I do nothing. I just get inspired by watching other people and, you know, yeah, I've listened to some of your podcasts. Um, which are great, and some interesting stories. But I got a lot of traveling friends, and we all have stories. I know people who've got dodgy hearts, they've got yeah, and hips replaced and knees replaced, and all sorts of things. I also get inspiration from them. Yeah, because I'm not training because I'm not training to be. I'm not training to do anything different. I've done, you know, I've done international age group stuff. I know, I know what I need to do it now. Uh, I'm not looking to, if I did, I'm not trying to do something different, am I? But in the old days, I, I read and looked at absolutely everything, everything. Cool. Yeah, but, uh, not, not so much now. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, and finally, what are your short and your long-term goals then? Yeah, many next week and then Pontevedra. Uh, long-term, but I might take a break from doing all the international stuff and just have a bit of fun playing around local races. Yeah. I, I, I like yeah, I, I think back to the, I like racing every week. If I could race every week, I'd race every week. I, I, I love it. So, yeah, that's my aim, to to just keep racing. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much for taking your time out. Uh, much appreciated. Great story. Um, no, my pleasure. Like I said, I'm sure you'll have inspired lots of people. Um, good luck in Menin uh, coming up. I'll uh, watch out for your results. Thank you, yeah. You look for me, I'll be the, I'll be the one in the middle. Well, just, just like you say, just Hopefully. keep smiling and have a great time. So that's the main thing. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Well, he's certainly been through the ringer as Adrian. 
and um, he's come out the other side thankfully and he's back to it so it just goes to show what can be done and what can be achieved and I hope if you are having any doubts whatsoever um, he's going to inspire you uh, due to what he's done so thank you Adrian for sharing your story and coming on the pod um, much appreciated if you do want to get in touch with Adi, um you can follow him on Instagram and his Instagram handle is at Adi Wilco uh, and he's as he said he's more than uh, happy to answer any questions that anyone might have he's also on Facebook um, under Adrian Wilkin so yeah do get in touch with him and he might be able to help and that's about it for this episode um, thank you once again for taking your time out and listening to the pod if you're liking what you hear please uh, do recommend the pod to your friends, your tribe whoever whoever listens to podcasts uh, and is interested in multi-sport because um, it really does help us get uh, get the show out to more like-minded people so and if you'd like to come on the podcast you're an age grouper and you've represented your country please do get in touch um, and once again you can get in touch by email at age group multi-sport podcast get in touch or if you know anybody who's got a great story give them a nudge and ask them to get in touch much appreciated and don't forget stay safe keep training and love the process